Edition. Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette. The Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesolitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited! He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette Sports. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do so well. We got first touchdown, anytime touchdown lines out on DraftKings today for the first game of the season next Thursday. Oh, what a time to be alive. It's all good today. Great show. Coach Brian Nay, Central Catholic Knights, going to join me here in just a little bit. Not a great trip down to Garen for the Bishop's Cannon, but uh, we'll see how they're responding to all that. That's coming up here in uh, just a little bit. But I do have another pair of tickets. Uh, for Purdue versus Fresno State this Saturday, Ross Aid Stadium. Noon with that kickoff. If you want to go, again, we'll do the same thing as yesterday. Just text me, boiler up to 765 447 4080. That's 765 447 4080. I got another pair of tickets, Purdue, Fresno State. Text boiler up to 765 765- 447-4080, and that's your chance to win them. Pretty cool, right? So if you want to go, I do have tickets. We'll get you the hookup. We'll draw the winner at the end of the show. Text BOILERUP, 765-447-4080, and I will get you in the mix for those tickets. All right? Let's go and get started. Need to know news time. Here's your need to know news. All right, yesterday, uh, big day with the NFL roster. We finally got the finalization of the 53-man rosters for everybody in the NFL. Let's get started with uh, what was a major plot point up until Tuesday, the Jonathan Taylor trade. We're getting details. We know the Dolphins were in the mix, but we're also hearing now the Green Bay Packers were for some reason interested. Really? You got two. You got Jones is great. You got Dylan. That was a good tandem. A little shocked by that. The Dolphins were also in talks with the Colts. But apparently that dissolved because the Colts were asking insane things like, yeah, we'll take a pick of Jalen Waddle. No. Absolutely not. We'll see if they change their stance on this, but we'll talk about it in a little bit. Colts also brought in three players because everybody's hitting the waiver wire system yesterday. Uh, brought in three players, including uh, a couple of offensive linemen. Colts claim offensive tackle Ryan Hayes, guard Josh Sills, linebacker Isaiah Land. The Bears also hit the wire yesterday. Former Bengals wide receiver Trent Taylor, along with Colts defensive end Khalid Kareem and former Rams defensive back Quindell Johnson. Bears making those waiver moves. As for your Purdue football players, 
Here's who's looking for homes now. Milton Wright, cut from the Chargers. Grant Hermans, cut from the Jets. Demarcus Mitchell, out at Seattle. Tyler Coyle, out at Dallas. Jordan Ruse, out with the Titans. Dennis Kelly, out with the Eagles. David Blau, looking for a home after the Cardinals continue to clean house. Now, they made a trade last week for Josh Dobbs to come in and be quarterback, which was a little bit shocking. I've seen both those guys play. David Blau, come on, man. Uh, they just they look to be in full-on tank mode. That's just that's the only obvious way to take a look at it. So David's looking for a home. The Patriots literally cut every quarterback except for Matt Jones. Zappy came through for the practice squad. He cleared waivers. It was just a, it was a little bit of a shocking day yesterday in some aspects, and it was highlighted by that. Another thing we were looking at, Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, no problem. He is a Raider. They're going to carry three at quarterback. I was a little shocked by that. Just because I thought he had done more than Brian Hoyer. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday. I said my piece. We'll move on from that. Cubs won nothing winners last night to even the series against the Brewers. Justin Steele struck out eight batters over six innings. Cody Bellinger's RBI ground out in the first, the lone run. 15 combined hits, just one run to show for it. Cubs made uh, back that game. They lost in the Central, so that brings it back down to four. They're going for the series win here as we speak. Last time I checked... Uh, it was 2-0, and it's gone to 2-1. to Kyle Hendricks on the mound, two and two-thirds, four hits, one earned, three strikeouts for him. Cubs runs coming on an Ian Happ double to, uh, to right field in the first, and then Swanson uh, hit a sack fly to score Nico Horner to make it 2-1. to one. Uh, Contreras with the uh, single to right to score Yelich has even or has half the lead here. In the third, Kyle Hendricks now, we're in the middle of the third. Three innings, four hits, one run, none earned. Three strikeouts for the professor. Uh, Meanwhile, the White Sox gave up nine runs for the second straight night in Baltimore. This is all on the bullpen as they lose 9-3. Santander's uh, seventh inning RBI double that just went right down the first baseline blew the game open. Uh, Luis Robert, Jan Moncada, and Andrew Vaughn, both uh, two for four nights, all three of those guys. Sosa, though, three for three, solo homer. Pretty darn good for him. They're playing game three uh, as we speak, and uh, the White Sox have run this up to a 10-5 to lead in the bottom of the sixth inning. Dylan sees five innings. Six hits, five earned runs, six strikeouts. He's up to 91 pitches, so that should be it. Uh, the White Sox actually trailed four to nothing after the first inning here. But uh, Vaughn homers in the second. Wallace uh, homered in the uh, second inning. Luis Robert Jr. homered in the third. Vaughn with an RBI double. Andrus with an RBI single. Anderson with an RBI single. 
Benintendi with an RBI double. We're up to 10 to 5 right now for the White Sox. They got to get at least one here against Baltimore. We'll keep an eye out on those two. We'll keep an eye out on the Cubs too because if they get that win, uh, that will then cut the division lead down to three. Maybe not as many games as you want to make up here, but at least. At least you come out on top uh, with one game that cuts it down to three. Uh, the Cubs, by the way, after today's game, will uh, they will hit the road? Yes? Yeah, they'll hit the road four at Cincinnati uh, with a doubleheader on Friday. Nothing on Thursday, but a doubleheader on Friday. Meanwhile, the Brewers' weekend plans uh, include uh, hosting Philadelphia starting on Friday for three before they have to go out to Pittsburgh. So there you go. That is today's need to know news. Again, I'm kind of I'm done with the baseball. <laughs> when it comes to the picks, it's getting it's getting very unpredictable. Like the books have all adjusted. It's just it's getting it's gotten harder and harder to find angles that are profitable in baseball. Shifting a lot of focus here to football. I mean, tomorrow we've got NCAA football. I'm so excited for this. We'll have great picks tomorrow. I I was told uh, that uh, Louisville was a good bet at Georgia Tech on the road 7.5. I don't know how I feel about that. But tomorrow night we also get Nebraska and Minnesota. 43.5. i got to do my homework, but that might be an underplay. Florida's going to go out to Utah Thursday night. Michigan State's, uh, they don't play on Friday. I thought they were a Thursday game. But still, we're going to have some early college football action, which is exciting. Get prepared. Uh, we're going to have some picks for you tomorrow, and uh, we'll get started off on the right foot. I still don't think, and it might not be till game day, till we finally get some like Purdue player lines. Kyle and I will have to talk about some of those, for instances, on Saturday, Boiler Game Day will return. We'll be on starting at 10 o'clock. And we'll get you ready for the game against Fresno State. By the way, that line sits at 4 right now in favor of Purdue. That over-under sitting at 47.5. Interesting stuff. All right, we're going to take a break. Still to come, we got these details on the Jonathan Taylor trade. What does it mean? What happens the rest of the season and uh, can he still be traded up the Colts? We'll talk about that. But up next, Coach Brian Nay is with us. He'll talk some CC football with us when we come back. It's the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. Welcome back. Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. All right, we're over to the Hammerhead Hotline. Coach Brian Nay, Central Catholic Knights, joins us here. Uh, coming off a uh, loss to the uh, Garen Catholic Golden Eagles last week, 27-3. Uh, Garrett, number two team in 3A. Coach, thanks for being on with us here. Um, that, that's a tough one there. We knew that was a tough team. We, uh, you know, we talked about it last week, but 
Uh, it just didn't seem like a whole lot went well for you guys there, both offensively and defensively last week. Uh, what are the takeaways from the loss of Garen? Well, I'll tell you, defensively, I felt we played much better than we did offensively, minus you know the four the four scoring plays, which were all explosive plays. Right? Um, we did. You know, it, there are four four instances where um, we have a we have a breakdown defensively, and it just so happened that that breakdown allowed a play to pop, and it was like four four scores, and uh, it was it was four plays. I thought defensively, I thought Coach Greifogel and our defensive staff had a very solid game plan. I felt like they bottled uh, they bottled Garen up for the most part. Obviously, like I said, minus the four plays, um, and then offensively, offensively we we failed to get into a rhythm. And we, uh, you know, losing Mason Meister early and, and the nature of the injury, um, you know, was a little unsettling and we weren't, we weren't able to kind of get back on track or, or really, uh, find any kind of continuity throughout the, throughout the evening. Uh, we'll take our, our staff is going to take that, you know, we're going to take that and, uh, we're going to take responsibility for that with, uh, you know, just not being able, again, like I said, not being able to get, uh, you know our team back into a rhythm, and uh, and yeah, I, toughness was not toughness was not an issue. It was uh, our our level of execution has to to meet you know our level of physical play and toughness. Uh, and, and until that happens, um, you're going to see you know inconsistent performance. You know it is early in the season as well. You got a lot of two way players going there. I, this is a lesson. This is a lesson that's learned on the uh, on the road to uh, the first round of the sectionals, right? This is something that you kind of this kind of adversity and these kind of issues you want to learn early because then you can address those and then uh, continue to get better, right? That, I mean that's the silver lining with all this. Absolutely, Garen. That Garen game happening in week two is 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 good for us. It really is because every single year they're so well coached. Um, you know, they, they are, they're a bigger school. It's, it, it, they're always, they're, they, they seem to always be, you know, in the top 10 uh, of 3A. And you know, you have to, you have to show up and you've got to play close to perfect football just to have a chance to win in the fourth quarter. And those are the games that we're going to see. I mean, that, that's November football. November football is you show up, you better, you better, uh, you know, you better show up locked in, focused, ready to go because you're going to have to play perfect to put yourself in position or close to perfect. I know you can never play perfect, but you got to play close to perfect just to be in position to win. And that, that's, that's exactly what November football is. And the further you go, um, you know, the, 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 the more that is true. So. We like having that game right, right there, uh, right there in week two because we find out really fast uh, the style of play that's going to be necessary to to make a, a legitimate run in the state tournament. So, coach, this week uh, you get Hamilton, uh, you, you get Heights again. Uh, this is a rematch of the crossover game from last season, uh, which you guys lost forty-one to twenty-one. It's not a team that you, despite being in the conference, uh, you don't. For whatever reason, get a whole lot of matchups with uh, uh, with the Huskies. So, uh, talk a little bit about them. What do you see on tape? They're two and zero on the season right now. I just came off a win over three A North Montgomery. Uh, what are the Huskies doing, and what concerns you primarily with them? They're a, they're a senior dominated team. They've got a lot of a lot of players back from a very successful season uh, last year. Coach Kirshner uh, taking the job. Um, 
you know, the, the state of their program when he took that job, uh, he, he rattled, you know, there was two, two win seasons. They went two and eight, two years in a row. And then from them, they've just, they've just, uh, um, you know, from, from year three on, it's been a, it's been a steady climb and they're back to the Hamilton Heights that I remember, you know, the Steve Stern Hamilton Heights in the early 2000s where they were making regional and semi state runs, um, pretty consistently. But he's got it back to that level, and, and he you know comes from a, a football family. His, his father's the head coach at Warren Central down on the east side. Um, guy knows ball, guys, and, and I, I actually remember Coach Kirshner as a player at Ben Davis. Um, tough, physical, gritty, and that's what you're getting. That's what you're getting from their teams. Got a lot. They got talent all, all you know all over the field. Um, you know they play for they play they play well for their coach, and they play they play for each other. Uh, you know, it pops on film and, and they've been able to, you know, they've been able to, to take care of business the last two weeks. So, um, you know, we, we, we can't, we can't sit here, you know, all week and, and, and feel sorry for ourselves or, you know, there's no time to, to, to lick your wounds. You gotta, you, you better get, you better get right and better get, you know, back in the, the frame of mind to, to, to get yourself ready to go compete, uh, again on Friday. You know, I thought we competed really well on, uh, against Garen, but again, our execution, our execution level is, is far from, you know, our toughness and physical and our compete level. Um, and, and until we can get, you know, that consistency and execution to match that, uh, like I said, like I said earlier, we're, you're going to see inconsistent, uh, you're going to see inconsistent play. Do you feel like you're getting the response this week? I know, uh, you know, we're only at the midway point here, but do you feel like you're getting the response and practice from your kids that you're looking for coming off a loss like that with those issues? We had to come to Jesus a little bit um, yesterday, and I, our kids have responded very well to that. That's kind of all I'm really going to say. <laughs> I think uh, every former uh, high school athlete, we've all had to come to Jesus moments. We know how that one, uh, how that works, and uh, if that's the resp- if that's what gets the response, that's what uh, gets the response here. Central Catholic Knights—they're going to be uh, taking on the Hamilton Heights Huskies as uh, Coach Day and Company uh, continue. Uh, to uh, move into the Hoosier Conference uh, schedule here. They'll get West Lafayette next week, uh, another uh, tough one as well. But, of course, this is the ever-changing Hoosier Conference as well. Uh, so I guess uh, I- I've lost track. I- is, this th- is this technically still a conference game? I've lost track of these things no. now at this point. No, no, and, and uh, it's not. It's, uh, it's, you know, the other side will service each other um, to fill, you know, to fill – gaps in in the schedule but it mm-hmm. does not count as a hoosier it wouldn't count against our hoosier conference uh record good or bad i can't keep this is getting worse than college football right now i understand yeah. it, well but... <laughs> it's only going to shake up even more because we're going to big school small school next year yeah. so it'll be different next year so yeah coach brian nay central catholic knights uh looking to get back uh, in the win column here friday night uh, that one on the road at hamilton heights coach uh, thank you for the update. Always appreciate talking ball with you, and uh, best of luck. Give them hell on Friday. Hey, I appreciate it. We- Let's go. It's the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Yins can register to win these tickets for Purdue versus Fresno State Saturday. Just text Boiler Up to me at 765 447 4080. 765 447 4080. Text it in. I'll get you a chance to win there, and I will draw out a winner right when we go off the air here at uh, 4 o'clock. So hurry up and get it texted in. That's just 
a, a good solid boiler up to me at 765-447-4080. And then I'll draw out a winner here uh, after the show goes off the air at 4 o'clock. Going to be a good Saturday, man. I'm excited about it. All right. Yesterday, uh, we uh, we got our... We got our list. Who's on PUP? Who is on um, the 53-man roster? Who has been cut? And the Colts were a very interesting team to watch because we were trying to figure out what was going to happen with Jonathan Taylor that very much was going to affect everything in the process. We knew that the Colts had given him to the de- trade de- to, to that 53 man roster deadline to figure this thing out go talk to other teams work out what you want to work out then they can come to us and we'll work out uh, we'll see if we can work out a trade deal now when they announced that they're going to be able to do this they were let Taylor have the permission to do this we talked about it and there was the rumor that the Colts wanted a first-round pick or light compensation for Taylor. And I told you that was too much. The Colts don't even value him at that. The league does not value him at that. I said that was red flag number one. I told you there would be some teams that would be interested, that would at least talk, because that's just an opening offer, right? You can come up with something. But I cautioned, I said, listen, with that first-round valuation, that tells me the Colts really aren't that serious. I didn't think they were that serious. I didn't leave out an opportunity for him to go, but now we're finding out just how unserious the Colts were. Per Miami reporters. Packers, we know, were a mystery better, but the Dolphins tried to work on something. But the Colts asked for the the sky and and sun and moon. Colts made wild requests for Miami, including Jalen Waddell and Picks. You know that's not happening. And so that goes back to the point that I made here. where I didn't think the Colts were very interested in trading him. I think they were letting him go and kick the tires. Jonathan Taylor wanted a lot of money. The league does not value running backs like that right now. They just don't. We went over that. We talked about how they all came together. We're trying to see what they could do, work as leverage here to get these deals. Guys like Dalvin Cook couldn't even find homes for Pete's sakes. It was getting kind of uh, head-scratchingly weird out there. But then, you know, the Colts let him go out there and do this after all the back and forth. They weren't going to work on the deal, weren't going to give them the deal. All right, it's been, you can't repair it. Go on out there, see what you could do. But the Colts knew what the market was going to be for Jonathan Taylor. And that's what they wanted to pay him. Jonathan Taylor deserves to be paid a good amount of money. I do not blame the Colts, though, for saying, I'm not going to pay. Just because a guy deserves to be paid that much, I'm not going to overpay what the market would pay for him. That's not smart business. I get it. This felt, and I think I made this comparison uh, like a week and a half ago when they started this whole process. This is like 
what I think the Colts did was, it's like those episodes of those house hunting shows where you get a, a couple or, or at least one person here who has these, uh, lofty expectations. I gotta have a, within the 15 minutes, I need the four bedrooms. I need it to be, have, uh, you know, all, all these amenities and stuff. And this is my budget. And realtors are like, you're not going to find that in, in, in there. And you take them to what they can't afford and they don't like it and they frown and they tell you you're terrible at your job. So that you go and you take them to something, uh, that does cross off every box. They're like, perfect. How much is it? And you tell them it's $800,000 more than you want to spend. And they go, oh, it's that reality check. I feel like that's what the Colts were trying to do here. It was a reality check. And the trade, uh, the, the trade considerations were the poison pill for the Indianapolis Colts. That even if you went out there and he found something that, you know, he was willing to take due to the strained relationship with the Colts, he knew it was going to be worse. It was never going to happen. I think it was just all for the Colts to go, see, that's your value. That's what they're willing to pay you and give up some picks for. This is what we were willing to pay you. But I think the relationship's far too, I don't think it works in this aspect, though, because I think the relationship is now just too strained. There's also this theory, too, that you know, they do want to move him at the trade deadline, but this is kind of an opening offer to see where they're at, see what they can get. I do not believe that the Packers were serious. They have two running backs, Jones and Dylan. Dylan's rookie contract is, is coming up here. I'm sure he would like a nice little pay raise. And I feel like throwing this out there shows that, hey, we're not married to you, man. I feel like that was a leverage play. Because what, what are the Packers going to do with him this year? With Jonathan Taylor. And the, those three, you don't want to carry those three running backs. They don't want to do that. I was a little surprised when they said the Packers were the mystery bidder. How serious that bid is, we just don't know. But I'm sorry, Miami, as soon as, as, soon as Bowser said, uh, we're looking for Waddle and I would have hung up the phone. If you're not serious about it, I don't know why I'm wasting my time. I think that makes people reluctant to do business with you as well. I don't think anybody comes out on top in this. Jonathan Taylor's still stuck there in Indianapolis with the chance to get franchise tagged next year. You know, and possible destinations, I, I, I wonder if their relationship over this player has been muddied enough to where they say, you know what, we're good, thanks. We're not going to go back to it. And I wonder how reluctant it makes them to try to do business in the future. Nobody wins in this. But like I said, I didn't think he was going to end up going anywhere. I didn't think the Colts were serious about doing this. You have your owner on record saying that you had no intention of trading him. Not now, not by October, that it wasn't going to happen. And the Colts can do whatever they want. Jonathan Taylor's just kind of stuck there. Not helping. They're going to tell you that uh, the fact that he was injured 
had nothing to do with what the offers were. And I think 100% they were. Because if he was going to play for the four, first four games, and you're Miami, why in the world are you giving up stuff when you're not going to have him for a quarter of a year? I've already got to get him, and then i got to pay him. And now you're telling me I'm missing, uh, you know, at least four games out of the season, maybe more? No wonder deals aren't getting done. But it shouldn't have been a shocker. Like, what they say? Like, ten teams made a call. Two teams ended up making an offer. Maybe the Dolphins were serious. Maybe the Packers thought they could low ball. But I think that tells you something that eight teams called, listened to what the Colts had to say, and been like, we're good. Never mind. Thanks. We're out of here. They just they were never serious about making this move. Which tells me they plan on keeping Jonathan Taylor after this year, and they plan on franchise tagging him next year. He's going to be absolutely miserable. Maybe they trade him after they tag him. I, I, I don't know. But I think a message got sent to the league on this. Running backs are not valued. Running backs are not going to get paid. And, you know, the Colts have a, have a way of doing business. I don't wonder, look, remember he had Kareem Hunt in the building a few weeks ago? He was down in Houston. He got the call. They're like, listen, get up here. Let's do a deal. And then the Colts offered him something. We don't know what. And he left. I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering. I'm, I'm just wondering at this point. What's going on? So we'll see. Look, I, I don't think the, the Colts have set a low bar because they will start Richardson for the entire season. He will have to take his lumps, so to speak. So having Jonathan Taylor in there for uh, 17 uh, games, having him in there for, you know, 9 or 10 whatever it is after the injury. I, I don't know that it matters, and I don't know that they will uh, say, okay, well, we got a big drop-off here between what we can do with, who's number two, Deion Kane now, and Jonathan Taylor. I just They won't judge it like that. They'll say, yeah, well, you know, they're loading, you know, they're loading up the box because, you know, they didn't believe in Richardson's ability to beat him because he's a rookie and he's learning and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's it's not accurate. I just I see these games getting played. I feel bad for Jonathan Taylor. That position takes a lot of abuse. You're lucky to get that second contract and get paid well off of it. There's no third contract for running backs where you get paid really well. It's not like a a pass rusher. It's not like some of these corners that could go in the league for, you know, 10, 12 years. It's not like quarterbacks who have several contracts to really get paid. I mean, that is the important one. And that's why there's such a push for from the running backs here to change, um, you know, what these contracts are, what they can do. 
because they're just not getting they're not getting paid. We we don't pay the draft picks anymore. Remember, we had to change that because we had too many rookies quarterbacks coming in here getting all the money, and the veterans are like, I proved myself, and I can't get paid more than this first round rookie. So they said that's not right. They changed everything. And now, again, between that and the way the passing game has changed to where the NFL wants more passing touchdowns, they want more passing yards, they're more exciting plays in their estimation, it leads to higher scoring. The running back spot has just been devalued. Outside of, what, two or three running backs, who's, who's getting paid to that position? And you look at Kansas City. Look at what their running back situation was. Won the Super Bowl. I feel for him. I, re- I really do. And the sad thing for Jonathan Taylor is he may have to grin and bear it in another year in Indianapolis if he wants to get paid. He may have to ha- take that franchise tag deal in order to get some kind of decent money. Because I don't think... That if you were to sit that out and pull like the Lavian Bell, if you were to sit out, I don't think he makes that up on the next deal. It just doesn't happen. And that sucks for him. All right, we're going to take our final break. We're going to come back. We'll wrap it up. Some things we missed and more when we return. It's the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. 1017. Oh, by the way, don't forget, text BOILERUP, 765-447-4080. That's your chance to win those tickets, Purdue-Fresno State, on Saturday. We're going to draw those out here at the top of the hour, so stick around. There's more Hammer Down Show. Don't forget your chance to win Purdue-Fresno State football tickets. I got them for you. Text BOILERUP to 765-447-4080. I'm going to draw out the winner here. Uh, right when I After I go off the air, we'll, we'll draw a winner. We'll give him a call. And uh, we'll see if we can't hook up somebody here with a pair of tickets. The home opener, 100th season in Ross Day. You'll be one of the first to see all the new stadium upgrades and everything, too. It's going to be very, very cool. Uh, but I do have tickets here for you. Purdue, Fresno State, this Saturday, noon. Weather's going to be fantastic. You'll love to see it. Boilermaker football confirmed 100% back. I love it. All right, let's get to uh, some of the things that we may have missed I don't understand. This is a prof- we are professionals, right? We are mature people, and I feel like there's a little bit of decency that has lost sports in terms of how uh, management can treat some athletes, professional teams. We just got done talking about Jonathan Taylor. You know um, why things have got to be done in the press the way that they are. Um, I don't like the situation. Another one cropped up yesterday with the Yankees. Harrison Bader was placed on waivers, which, you know, is what it is. Angels. I, I don't understand how the Angels traded for Reynaldo Lopez and Lucas Giolito and then just put them both on waivers after giving up one of their top pitching prospects. Good Lord, somebody's got to get fired. But I digress. Harrison Bader for the Yankees put on waivers yesterday. The outfielder found out while watching television. I think that is such a low thing to do. To find out via television that you have lost 
your place on a team like that. Again, mature. Right? I think they can handle it. They understand it's a business. I think if anybody went to Harrison Bader and said, hey, listen, we're going to put you on waivers today, where we're at with the team, where we want to go with the team, there's guys we want to look at financially, this is the deal, we wish you the best, maybe we can work together in the future. I feel like that's, that's something that should be owed to you. That's a bit of decency. Why is that gone in professional sports like that? I don't understand. I think it's the bare minimum that as a GM or president or whoever's making the personnel decisions, before you leak it to Adam Scheffner or Woj or anybody else, Shouldn't you be able to tell a guy, especially when they've got a family? Hey, honey, heads up. Don't want you to get caught off guard when people start texting what's going on. <laughs> that's the least you can do as an employer. It was very that that stuff's upsetting to me. I don't. I, it's terrible. Uh, ESPN is going to show select ACC games and the college football playoffs in movie theaters. We believe movie theaters are the next great frontier for live sports events. Is it, though? Is it, though? Is the movie theater really the experience that you want to go to watch Virginia Boston College? (laughs) Is that what you want to do? Get your buttery popcorn, pay for your ticket, and then sit in and watch Georgia Tech and Syracuse? I don't think so. No disrespect to the movie theater experience. I love it, but I love it to watch movies. If I want to go watch the national championship and I want to go out, I got a 70-inch TV. I don't want to watch it on that. I'm going out to a bar pub with all these other people. I'm doing that. I'm going to one of those sports books to watch the game. The movie theater is probably the last place I'm thinking about. It's not the same vibe. Cool that they'll do it. Maybe they can make some money off of this, but I don't think it's turning into a thing. And best of luck to Nebraska Volleyball tonight. Uh, They are hosting their Volleyball Day in the football stadium. Over 90,000 people in Memorial Stadium for a volleyball match and a concert from Scotty McCreary. It'll be one of the largest crowds in the 100 years of the stadium. The current record is 91,585 for the Miami football game in 2014. The fact that you're doing this with a women's event is groundbreaking, and I am going to love, too, if they can set this event, not just for that, but I would love that the football team, in all of its glory, uh, doesn't even own its own attendance record. This will be the first Huskers event at Memorial Stadium where beer will also be sold as well. Good for them. I love this idea. Volleyball in the Big Ten is a very big deal. 
And I can't imagine what it's going to be like to play volleyball in front of 90,000-plus people. Absolutely insane. I think it's going to be such a tremendous experience for those young women. The women's sports record for attendance, 91,648. That was for a, um, a soccer matchup. UEFA Champions League game in Barcelona. Largest women's sporting event in the U.S. The 1999 U.S.-China World Cup Final at the Rose Bowl had 90,185. That looks poised to go down. They already have 90,000-plus tickets purchased for Volleyball Day. So best of luck to them. I hope this thing takes off. That's going to do it for us here on the Hammer Down Show. Uh, we'll draw out a winner here for those tickets as soon as I get off the air. Tomorrow, uh, we'll continue more high school football. Josh Strasser, McCutcheon Mavericks, Shane Fry going to be with us, and more. So uh, I can't wait. That's tomorrow back here on the Hammer Down Show. On-